Welcome into the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Maria Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. It is time, guys, to get this party started with our top three. So we know that there is a big showdown. The Falcons are back home at the Vince this Sunday. We'll be taking on the Texans. And one of the questions that inquiring minds want to know how you feel about it is this. Is there anything that Desmond Ritter can do, the much maligned Desmond Ritter over the past couple of weeks, is there anything he can do on Sunday, Maria, to convince people that he is truly, truly a starter and should continue to be a starter for the Falcons and in the NFL? Yeah, I got two things. Number one, don't turn the ball over. That's what you don't need to do as a quarterback, but he did that quite a few times over there in London, so do not turn the ball over. Number two, do things to help your offense win games. And I don't think up until the London game, he necessarily did anything to lose them a football game, but the game against the Jags was slightly different. You can put a lot of the blame on Desmond Ritter, so he has to have a monster game at home for people to start believing in Desmond Ritter again because Look, he is the QB1, whether we like it or not, and he needs to make sure that he does things to help this offense win and put them in positions to be successful. I haven't seen that from him in the last game or so. And Jarvis Maria makes a great point because, you know, one of the things we talked about, I talked about with a couple of our media friends, if you will, earlier today, and they said, hey, it's okay to be called a game manager. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, meaning that there are moments in time where all we need you to do is not lose the game and then when the moments come, to your point, Maria, just make sure that you win the game for the team. And there is a difference because, like you said, first two games, you were fine. You didn't lose the game for the team. And there were moments in time where you did what you needed to do to help the team win. But it was kind of on your shoulders in that fourth game. And we need to see something different there. And I think the other thing that Maria pointed out, which I think is very important as well, is you really have to start off strong, get yourself a fast start and be clean with the ball don't give the opportunity to the texans because we know they're a fast twitch type team you give them the ball cj stroud and company they're going to score so you don't want to get in that situation and the other thing is this there's been talk about hey you come back to your home it's going to be your home crowd they're going to get behind you and they're going to make sure that you feel like you have that particular advantage make sure you don't get a three and out because that crowd might turn on you just as quickly a three and out a turnover or what have you but jarvis you think about what Maria said. I'm sharing, you know, some of the things that I think he needs to do as well to show that he indeed deserves to be QB1 and stay under center as a starter for the Falcons. What do you need to see to make him say to, to make you say, OK, I think we do actually have a guy that's worthy of an NFL starting gig. Get rid of the hesitation with throwing the football, because a lot of times when people think about you know, when the offense starts to struggle and stuff like that, specifically early on in games, people start to talk about questioning the play calling and all this stuff. And Arthur Smith can't call plays. You need to do this, you need to do that. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, I went back and checked the film for myself. Like, I, I like to do that. And there were moments in that game where Desmond Ritter had guys open, specifically when they was um, Jacksonville was starting to send pressure and stuff like that. And he just would not pull the trigger. So he needs to get rid of that hesitancy because it is hurting him. It is hurting him. And that's why I feel like these two next these next two games 
which are at home, which he plays. There's a vast difference in the way he plays when he, at home and on the road. And he has not run won a road game a road game yet. So I think this there is a, a lot of things that he needs to do as far as continue to play how he plays at home and kind of watch this this away road games out of his system because like I feel like if you don't get these two games right, yeah. there is a possibility that Arthur Smith may have to go back to the drawing board and say, you know what. We might have to reconsider him being QB one. So yeah, all he has to do is continue to play how he's been playing at home, and I think he'd be fine. Yeah, and you're right. You look back at the film and you see some things, and also the numbers don't lie when you look right. and you dig down into the numbers being amongst the lowest when you look at catchable balls, particularly his balls thrown to Kyle Pitts, which you already know all eyes are going to be on what it's not going to be nine to five; it's going to be nine to eight to see what happens uh, come Sunday. In terms of him having the ability to actually put a pat, put KP or Kyle Pitts in position to be able to catch the ball, I think that's so very critical. And part of that is, like you said, don't hesitate, but at the same time, you got to be careful to make the proper read. And if the yeah. first read is not there for you, go to the second, go to go through your progressions, and do what it is that you're supposed to do just to move. The chains, because the other thing is this low key. Yeah, the Texans are a high scoring offense, but their defense under D'Amico Ryans is really, really starting to catch fire as well. So that's not a team that you want to allow to put you behind the chains too often. Now, speaking of something else that you guys both mentioned uh, in terms of starting faster and making sure he does not turn the ball over is that those things kind of allow the team to either have or maintain or establish trust. Right. Bijan Robinson came out uh, talking. I think, uh, Maria, you were probably there as well when Bijan talked about the fact that he'd sent a text message of encouragement to his QB1 saying, this is my guy. You know, we're both young, but we both have the ability to be leaders. And I just wanted him to know that we stand behind you. Everyone makes mistakes. We're just going to kind of move forward. Maria Arthur Smith came out as well and basically reiterated, he's our QB1. But you still have to watch and see. It's still a watch and wait type of game. If this doesn't go well on Sunday, whether, and I'm not talking Maria win-loss, I'm talking about good performance from Desmond Ritter, smart moves and the like. Is it possible that he could lose that locker room because of the performance against the Texans? I mean, I don't necessarily think I would jump to that conclusion. Um, and, and I do think he's really young in his career. And I know it's easy for a lot of people to forget that. And I know that there was a lot of pressure on Atlanta. And that is not his fault. Now, granted, that is just the situation that we're in. And this is not necessarily a quarterback-friendly offense, particularly one that's trying to learn very quickly in the NFL. Now, do that with what you may. That is the situation. And so he does have to be successful very quickly. So he is in a really rough spot. However, the situation is different from last year. When he was put in, he was the backup quarterback to Marcus Mariota. Flip the script now. You've got a guy sitting behind Desmond Ritter, who, albeit, is not a quarterback one, in my opinion. However, he does have 20-plus starting games over the last two years for a very good Washington Commanders team. So Taylor Heineke could be a interim replacement until you are able to find a long-term quarterback if you do not believe that that is Desmond Ritter. And let's face it, the way that they call plays offensively is not going to be geared to what people want to see from Desmond Ritter. They are a run-heavy offense. Everybody yeah. understands that. However, back to Jarvis's point, Desmond does look a little unsure in a lot of the things that he does. And even when I went back and watched the film, there are some things that I think people 
blamed him for that were not his fault. Now, granted, that's part of being a quarterback. You get too much hype. You get too much flack. It's part of the job position, part of the description. However, I do think he does need to come out with a little bit more confidence. He's not a guy who, in my opinion, the little that I've been around him and that I know of Desmond Ritter is going to play scared, especially after a situation like this. So I do expect him to go out on Sunday, really take the command of the team and I know the whole thing went viral with Mac and that they were arguing or whatever that it looked like. And Mac came out and said, no, I, he just happened to be in the crosshairs. I actually liked it because it showed me that there were people on the field that care. Not yes. necessarily that, you know, it was directed at Desmond. Mac said that was not the case. He just happened to get a little angry in the moment and Desmond was trying to high five him. So it sucks that it, it came off the way that it did. But those guys care in that locker room. And that's the yeah. vibe that I've gotten something I haven't in an entire Falcons team since I've been here. They're very passionate about winning. They want to make sure yes. they get it right. So Desmond's going to do everything he can. Who wants to lose a starting job in the mm -hmm. NFL? It's a very rare thing to have. You're one of 32. So I expect a big game from Desmond. Now, if yeah. he doesn't have one, I don't necessarily think he's going to lose the respect of the team. Right. Though I do think we could see a quarterback change sooner rather than, than later. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think, too, we some, you know sometimes do a comparison contrast. And there were two things that I said recently. Number one was, to your point, this is the time where we're looking at a guy who is the starting QB from week one, right? But this is also the time where, if we're honest about it, he's kind of where other quarterbacks will, would be midway through their rookie season. So I kind of treat him like he's midway through his rookie season because he played four games last year and just four game this, games this year. So yeah, I do want to give him a couple more games to kind of see whether or not it'll be time, it'll be Heineke time. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Let's Let's just put a pause on it. But I think the other piece there is this. We also look at what you and I and Jarvis have seen in the years past that we've covered this team, right? And I can think back to last year and the team being pretty darn patient with a guy who I feel like I knew before, before game two was not the answer. But the Falcons were pretty darn patient as a locker room and as a team with him before they just kind of tapped out. So I feel like if you gave deference to a guy that to me looked like he should never have been QB1, then I feel like this guy, especially so early in his career, should get a little bit more of an opportunity to show what he's worth. And then if I can just say this, Jarvis, before you weigh in, I think, too, we have to also admit that while most of the loss was on him for the second loss of the season, you got to still look at and lay things at the feet of some of the other players on the offensive side of the ball, because I know we've all been kind of scratching our heads. Like we've never had conversation and commentary about what's going on on the right side of that O-line. And, and that's just an example. That's not putting it all at their feet either, but there's more than enough blame to go around such that there's no reason for this team to tap out on Desmond Ritter this soon. Uh, I, to kind of add to it, like my whole, my biggest concern is, and I'll start with Kyle Pitts because we yeah. know the frustration that he had, like uncatchable balls. I don't know the exact number last year, but right. one had a lot of them, when he, specifically when he was targeting Kyle Pitts. And I think that you don't want Kyle Pitts to get into this, a, a mental situation that he got into last year because yeah. we know, we saw it for ourselves and we watched the games and we saw that, like, dude, every time you throw this guy away, you never give him a chance to catch the football. Yeah. And we're starting to see a little bit of that this year. 
and not not getting him the football like I talked about earlier as far as like when he's open you know that he's your hot read get the ball to the man and put it on him so he can make a play, so he can go ahead and make a play so I think that's my big concern like starting with a guy like Kyle Pitts you know getting frustrations start having some same little remnants of what happened last year mentally as far as getting in the ball because you know he wants to perform this dude is a competitor I guess the, I get those vibes you could tell when somebody likes playing football and wants to be able to be um, be productive. But the person that is responsible for getting you to rock so you can be productive, if he's not getting you the ball, eventually, at some point, he's a human being. He's going to get frustrated. And we saw Mac Hollins. He said he got frustrated, you know, and not necessarily, I guess, not on that specific play that, you know, Desmond Ritter overthrew him, you know. It just so happened to happen right after that. So right. <laughs> I think that the vets, like the angry vets, I love what Arthur Smith uh, nickname for them, the angry vets, started to get upset. That's when Arthur Smith's hand is going to be forced, and, you, and Desmond Ritter doesn't want it to get to that point, I'm sure. Yeah, I would agree with you. And to wrap it up for us with our top three, just like we want to be patient, we want you guys, the Falcons fans, to be patient as well because you do want to still give these Falcons a home field advantage so that they can feel like this is their opportunity to get back on the right track and that they've got a whole fan base, their version of the 12th man behind them to get it done. Now, if you're a betting person and your betting things will hit different for Des at home, just like we just said, things typically do, well, check out FanDuel to see what they have to say about whether or not Des and the Falcons will get a dub come Sunday. Is this episode of the ATL Sports Party is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the number one sportsbook in America. Guess what, guys? They have some amazing deals for you over there. If you are a part of the Lockdown family, you want to partake in this situation. So guess what? Here's what they got. They have the new customers. New customers. If you have not gone to FanDuel yet, if you're a new customer, you get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets win or lose and guess what i've been taking a look at the numbers people guess what the over under for the game is 41 and a half so where you leaning are you leaning towards the falcons are you leaning towards the texans as far as the the spread the spread is minus one and a half the falcons are favored in this game kind of sort of maybe it's a toss-up you know they don't know so if you want to put some money on the Texans to cover because hey that offense can score you can do that and you can use those bonus bets you get on anything spreads player props over-unders, and much, much more. So here's what I want you to do, people. Go to FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season because FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. Well, you guys may not know necessarily where to go with the Falcons because it is kind of a pick em between the Falcons and Texas for this Sunday. But where you may know that you are going to go is with the Hawks, Come October 10th, because you're going to be, I would assume, all eyes in to see a couple of different things. October 10th, of course, is the first preseason game. They are hosting the Cavaliers. And this is, it's a new look squad, but it's also kind of a revisit of the new look squad of old, right? So this is our opportunity for Quinn Snyder. He's kind of like a pseudo rookie because he did have 22 regular season games with the Hawks last year. And of course, a little bit of a postseason run there as well, but this is also DeJounte 2.0, right? So we'll get an opportunity <laughs> to see if under Quinn Snyder for a full season. That's what season. we're doing already T. We already giving him a name. I'm trying to like it. I'm trying to like it, but okay. Maria is a corner or is it not corner? But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying. Right. I'm trying to get with it. Right. But like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, we we hope that we get to see 
them in like their fullness, right? Because I think we saw kind of spates of it, if you will, where we saw the greatness that they could be as a backcourt duo. We just did not see it consistently. Well, now you got Trey Young, you've got DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, of course, returns. Sadiq Bay will be here now for a full season. So it'll be interesting to kind of see there. And then you've got other guys that you're putting in the mix, Bogdan Bogdanovich, AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson. You guys know the drill, but Got some new folks in the mix as well, including Patty Mills. So it'll be interesting to also see if you have Wesley Matthews for an entire season, how does that whole kind of new look squad work? So your guys' thoughts on this pressure. Is it on Trey Young as far as how to make this new look squad work? Or or is this really not as much of a pressure packed season because it has the feel of maybe a, I don't want to say rebuild, reset? I don't know. What do you think? I always think there's pressure on Trey Young, and I think there's been pressure on Trey Young ever since he got to Atlanta, and even more so now because we've seen him for what? He's entering his sixth season with the Hawks, and this is the first full year, as you mentioned, Tanitra, under Quinn Snyder, and he hypes Quinn up so much in his relationship with Quinn, and so we've heard that for so long. You want to start to see, okay, when is that going to pay dividends? Granted, It wasn't really going to do that in the few games that Quinn was coaching with the Hawks. So now it's the first full season. You know, finally, Trey is vocally happy with the coach that they have. And he is the face of this franchise. And he's been very vocal about everything, I think, especially with his new podcast. So, yeah, I think there's pressure on Trey Young. And and you talk about what we all believe to be one of the best backcourts in the league. But there was not consistency. I mean, you hit it right on the head. So are we going to get consistency out of, what did you say, DeAndre? Is that right? <laughs> DeAndre. I love that. That's really good. Uh, no, but seriously, that, that's that's the pressure that I feel, and specifically on Trey, because there's always going to be pressure on somebody that's the face of a franchise. That's how it yeah. is. But he's going to have to be the one to facilitate a lot of things for this team. And, yeah, there are some new faces, and there's a lot of guys that are kind of similar as last year, but I'm interested yeah. to see how Quinn works all this out because he's very different than I think the previous two coaches that the Hawks had. Indeed. I think you make Indeed. a gr- I, I think you make a great point. Um excuse me, LT. I think you make a great point, Maria, because I feel like that's where the pressure is. Like I feel like the pressure is on Quinn Snyder because they are banking solely on him, his coaching acumen to get these this team where it needs to be because you know, we had we heard the rumors of Pascal Siakam. There was some conversations. They made they made one or too much. Pascal Siakam said, "I ain't resigning with nobody." Specifically, the Atlanta Hawks. You know, <laughs> you know, if y'all trade for me, so it was just kind of all these things kind of happening and Landry Fields trying to figure out what's going on. But he came out and said, "Hey, we're cool with where we are." And and I think that you know, if you're saying that we're cool with where we are. It, by just trading John Collins and that being the biggest move that you make in the offseason. Now, of course, DeJounte Murray getting paid. You know, that, that's kind of a big deal. But you're trading a guy like John Collins who's been around for this team since the beginning of this whole rebuild, the official rebuild back then, T. I mean, we can definitely call that a rebuild. <laughs> so, and when you trade a guy like that away, I really feel like, and you don't really add to your, your spot, I really feel like Quinn Snyder is the guy. That's the guy where the pressure is on. I'm, I feel like he's up to it. You know, I, I like mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder's acumen as, as, a, as a coach and what he brings to the table. He's a, a super smart guy, and I think he'll be able to figure this thing out. But I really feel like the pressure is on Quinn Snyder because he's he's going to be the key cog as to whether or not this team gets where they want to be. Yeah, he, and, and he probably is what I would call an X-factor as well. But I'll throw another one in the mix. 
I'm going to agree with Maria that Trey has pressure on him, although DeJounte tried to deflect some of that pressure. Uh, he was on with our guys, Andy and Randy, a couple of days ago. And one of the things he said was, hey, I'm raising my hand that we all need to be better. But I didn't see the two way me that essentially two way me that I wanted to see. And he really, really wants to go back to being the defender that he could be because his defense is what really, really uh, sets up his offense. I like it. I think he's halfway right, but I think Maria's all the way right, which is Trey's the one with the most pressure out of anyone on the team. But I got to agree with Jarvis as well, as far as on the sidelines, Quinn Snyder, these guys in the front office got so nervous when they found out that you might actually consider coming back as a coach to the league. And the whole league was like, we want you. So they said, you know what? We can't take any chances. And they probably are right. When we think about what happened to Mike Budenholzer and the, you know, the, the appeal of going to Milwaukee, they could have easily have gotten Quinn Snyder if the Atlanta Hawks had not swooped in. So that was a good call on them. But now that they've swooped in, you better show and prove. But I think it's also the front office. Landry Fields, you were just as much a part of making the call. And I get, you know, the new CBA and the apron strings that might, you know, tie you in, if you will. But you were just as much a part of making the decision not to push the envelope and go after another big name star who could have made a difference, especially at the three and the four position. Let's just keep it real. So I think there's a lot of pressure there on that front office as well to say, okay, you said that you think you've got enough of a squad that at a minimum won't be in another play in tournament for a third year running. So let's just see what this ends up being. But I also could see the three of us having this conversation in about three and a half months as well when we're closing in or yeah, when we start to have those conversations and we start to hear the rumors about what's going to happen ahead of that trade deadline, that might actually be the telltale for everybody for trade for Quinn Snyder for Landry fields to see if in actuality, there's anything that they need to do in order to take some of that pressure off of them. If they're not where we think they need to be come about that December, January timeframe. I think the other thing is this guy's very intrigued. I had a great conversation with a guy we all know and love, David Locke, who of course is the voice of the Utah Jazz, but also does Locked On Jazz. And of course he is our visionary for the Locked On Sports Network. And one of the things we asked him last night was, where's the excitement coming from as far as John Collins, right? Because we were thinking, okay, Colin Sexton, that's exciting. And some of the other guys uh, that are surrounding him, but- they're actually excited in Utah about John Collins and what they think they can do with JC in their particular offense. So I said to myself, and I said to David Locke as well, do you really actually think like, you know, we're going to regret? Cause he said he thought we were going to regret the departure of John Collins. So I got to ask you guys, they've got Lowry Markin and they've got Colin Sexton. They've got JC. I think he's in the right place. I don't think there should be any regret of the departure of JC, but do you guys think there's any point where the Hawks may say, Ooh, maybe we made the wrong call. I think if they don't do anything to help that front court, yeah, sure. And he goes off in Utah, like everybody <laughs> thinks he will. And right. like, I think John will be on a mission to do because of what happened mm -hmm. to him over the last couple of years. If I'm JC, yes. I'm like, I'm doing everything I can to show everybody why I should have stuck around Atlanta and why people shouldn't have been pushing me out the door forever. And I, I just don't think his full game was reached to its potential here, um, whether that be a mix of the coaches or the pieces to the puzzle on the several different teams that he 
he's been a part of since he was in Atlanta. Um, I think, you know, Tanisha, like you said, he's in a really good position in Utah and everybody wishes John the best. He's the greatest yeah. person. So nice. Um, still can't believe he's what, like 25. He seems like he's like 40 years old. He's so mature. Uh, so he was such a pleasure to be around, but off the basketball or on the basketball court, I, I really think that a certain level of his game is going to be unlocked in Utah. I really have a lot of confidence in that. He went through so much stuff here, whether that be the drama of the coaches changing in and out, whether that be different pieces or taking away the things he's good at. That happened a couple different times in Atlanta. So, uh, yeah, if I'm him, I'm on a mission to make sure that the team regrets trading me away. And yeah, if you're Atlanta, you are not happy with the way that that went down. They really didn't get anything they back did. John away. And granted, he was at one of the lowest points in his career statistically. Mm -hmm. So giving him away is basically what you had to do. Kind of felt yeah. like a salary dump, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, going back That's to- That's what the, it was. It was salary yeah. dump. <laughs> yes. and, and, you know, going back to what you said, Tanitra, like, you're looking at the front office. Hey, yeah. help this front court out, because I know you've got some of the younger guys you had mentioned off the top two, like AJ Griffin, Jalen Johnson. You have Nyako Kongwu, who you want to be the big O that we saw towards the end of the year last year. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I really would like to see them put some more pieces in place to not only replace what John Collins did when he was great, but to mm -hmm. make it better. And I, I just don't know where that's coming from right now. I think it, I think the Atlanta Hawks will regret trading John Collins. I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this. Oh. I know. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, my God, my ear. So go on, so I feel like the Hawks will regret this trade if Jalen Johnson doesn't be who I think he can be uh, and who okay. Quinn Snyder think he can be. I we, feel we like Jalen jumped, jumped on you a little too early. You didn't right, we did. We were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Let, me explain. let me explain. Y'all yeah, know I'm going to get to my pettiness at, at some point. I'm going to get to my pettiness. But yeah, I really feel like Jalen Johnson is the reason why they felt they'll feel okay trading John Collins. You know, because obviously with all the other outside stuff off the court, you know, He's great, you know, with the media. JC has been great. And, you know, I just had the issue with the stuff on the court. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I feel like there was some there were some issues there as far as asserting yourself sure. when you should, you know, on the court and not necessarily asserting yourself off the court in the post-game press conference, you know, <laughs> talking about certain things. And you know, I was like, all right, man, I need you to just play better. Just play better. You'll be okay. You don't yeah. have to worry about talking and, and speaking up and stuff like that. But I really feel like Jalen Johnson is a guy, is what this team needs. They don't need somebody at the four saying, hey, give me the ball and, and, and get out the way. You know, right. there are too many ball handlers on this. We're talking about this John Trey. This John Trey, that sounds a little, so much like Stranger. But anyway, yeah, the John Trey, they have to hold on to the rock. Like, they need the ball in their hands. So, and they're still trying to figure that out. So, they don't need anybody down low saying, hey, uh, pass me the ball in the post. No, yeah. no, nah, nah, it doesn't work like that. And I think that, yeah. you know, they'll be able to do that with a guy like Jalen Johnson because, hey, the guy's just going, hey, I'm going to come in and play defense. I'm going to rebound and I'm going to take yeah. more threes because we, we know that uh, Quinn Snyder wants those guys to take as many threes as possible. Indeed. And that is why I'm also intrigued by the opportunity to see Sadiq Bay for an entire season and what Quinn Snyder is able to do with him for the offseason because he just kept on warming up. So got to love what we saw out of him. And I do think that the only way I agree with you guys, I don't think there will be a regret, but I also think if there is a regret, it will be because somehow, some way, maybe the collective at the four. And when I say collective, meaning the guys that we mentioned, the double O when he's playing the four Sadiq or JJ 
if they're not doing it collectively, that's when maybe they'll look and say, uh, did we give up on him too soon? Unfortunately, we won't know until February 27th because that's when the Utah Jazz come to town. And unfortunately, that is after the trade deadline. So it'll be intriguing, interesting stuff for us to check out. But if you guys want to talk more ATL sports, you want to weigh in on what you think about whether or not JC should still be here or it was a good look, even though they didn't get anything for him, you can get your fix. Have your one-on-one with Jarvis and subtext. All right, guys, it's our favorite segment because we're going around the Metro rapid fire style, and we are going to start right up in Cobb County. Phillies eliminated the Marlins in shocking fashion, 7-1 in two games in the wild card series and the wild card round, such that they are coming back to town for Braves Phil's 2.0 from the NLDS last year to the one this year. Come on, guys. Isn't this the matchup you kind of wanted all along? I think so. Yeah, 100%. I, I bring it on because the Phillies are the bring ones it. that put the Braves out last year. This is a Braves team that's a lot better and a lot more complete than last year. I want yep. them to stick it to Philly and hopefully in Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. I, so I, I was so glad when I saw that the Phillies were up 7-0. I was like, you know what? Yep, this game is over with. I, let's get this party started. Spencer Strider is going to be on the mound. I am so excited. The strikeout king he went 8-0 uh, against the Phillies, you know, and, and when it comes to, you know, in the regular season, yeah, I'm so ready for Spencer Strider to go get on his mound and get these dudes out. Let's get it. I am so excited about this. Nephew Ronnie is, is super healthy. I'm ready to rock. Let's do it. Let's go. Oh, how I love the petty of this show. And yes, <laughs> I am excited about it as well because there is nothing like being able to kick somebody in the teeth after they kicked you last year. But anyway, the number one Georgia Bulldogs are hoping that they'll be able to put foots in it, as one of our guys says, <laughs> by taking on an undefeated Kentucky Wildcats team, which, of course, is ranked number 20 in the country themselves. They'll be in Athens Saturday, and this may be the toughest matchup that the dogs have seen so far this season. What do they need to do, Maria, to make sure they come out of this 6-0? and well, first of all, if you would have told me that Kentucky, Georgia would have been the end all be all at this point in the year, I would have told you you were crazy. Uh, right. But the Kentucky Wildcats, they look really good, unfortunately, for Georgia. And Kirby Smart had said every single time that they play Kentucky, they feel really beat up afterwards. It's a really physical matchup. If I'm Georgia, the number one thing I want to do is take away the run from Kentucky. It's what Kentucky has done really, really well. We saw it incredibly well against Florida and Georgia's run defense really freaked a lot of people out in Auburn. So if you can make oh. Devin Leary, the Kentucky quarterback, one dimensional, he's not a very accurate passer so far this year, make him throw the football. They'll be uncomfortable, especially a night game in Athens. Oh, it could get ugly, but you got to make sure you do those things. Cause this one's going to be physical. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Stoops is coaches, physical teams. He's done an excellent job ever since he stepped foot on Kentucky's campus and he's had those guys, you know, I think what only one season or since 2016 since uh, not without a winning record. So yeah, the dude is doing phenomenal things down there, but I think that Ray Davis is a guy that the that the um Georgia Bulldogs I was about to say Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs need to pay some attention to because the cat, the young man can run. You hear Kirby Smart talking about how Ray he describing Ray Davis, he even compared him to DeAndre Swift. And we all know what DeAndre Swift brought to the table when he was down there in Athens between the hedges. So I really feel like the key in on the run game, I feel like Georgia will continue remain undefeated. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, because he gives he it's giving Benny Snell all day, every day. And you know, mm. another bruising back that the Wildcats had. And like you said, Maria, 219 yards that were given up on the ground against Auburn. 
Georgia is a team that has pride, that defense has pride, and they've said all week long they're not going to let that happen to them two weeks in a row, and I think they get it done in Athens this weekend. Now, speaking of getting it done, the NFL is getting it done different ways this season as far as getting their audience viewership up, right? So you all know where I'm going with this because finally, I guess real football fans got their fill of it Wednesday and came for the NFL. And the NFL actually popped back on social media to say Wednesday that, hey, we know you guys think this whole romance between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, we're kind of overdoing it. But hey, with an average of 27 million TV viewers that you got when Taylor Swift was there, Swifties, all day, every day, and that was something akin to what you got in the Super Bowl, maybe there's a reason, a good reason, why the NFL leaned into this whole thing. But guys, do you think it's just a bit much? I personally don't. And I am not a Swiftie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My producer, Megan Smedley, is a hardcore Swiftie, and I hope she You'll can hear me it. outside of the door. Y'all already know she is so obsessed. Yes. She was sweating every single time Taylor was on the television screen. Um, but I think it's phenomenal because you're getting a fan base into football that had no clue they even liked the game. And I love to see that. I want the game to grow more than anybody else. And so I don't really care how you do it. And if it's making other people upset, sorry, so be it. Their viewership is better than it has been. Uh, Travis Kelsey is blowing up his Instagram. I mean, he literally <laughs> had, I saw some crazy statistic where he's gotten more collective followers than he ever did in any of the Super Bowls that he's played in. Um, look, I love it. I, I don't care. I think it's phenomenal. Lean into it. She is the biggest superstar on the planet whether people like that or not she she pulls people in from all over the world bring it on hype it up i freaking love it i think it's fantastic yeah like and for the people who are getting upset let me tell you something you think that the billion dollar the multi-billion dollar company that the nfl is is gonna miss out on the opportunity to make more money, to have more viewership. You know how much they're charging uh, ESPN and the likes for all these uh, these broadcasting rights? Amen. Of course they're going to lean into it. So, yeah. yes, get used to it. Get used to it. Money moves the needle for the NFL. So whatever they can do, so like you said, you can call it growing the game for real, but I'm going to call it like they like money. So, yeah, <laughs> the more eyeballs they can get on it, that means the more they can charge all these sponsors you're trying to get all these ad time during the game. So, yeah, there's a little a money one-on-one for all you people out here hating and talking about and getting upset about it. Hey, yeah. it is what it is. Taylor Swift, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever it is, if it's real, cool. If it's not, that's cool, too. Hey, just give me my football and I'll be all right. Hey, but look real quick, because I know this is rapid fire. Literally, I'm looking at her right now. We have somebody that works in here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to name her. It's not Megan Smedley. Uh, but there's another young lady that works in here who does not know anything about football. She does not care about football. She couldn't even tell you really where the Falcons play. And we are in Atlanta. And literally, when this Taylor Swift thing started happening, she looked at me and she said, Maria, I could get into football. So that is what I'm into. I'm into bringing in those people who have never watched it before. They see Taylor Swift up there and they say, you know what? And they're trying, they're asking questions. They want to know what things are. They're asking Travis and Jason on their podcast. Hey, what's a DB? Hey, what's a field goal? What's a first down? I love it. That's what I mean by growing the game. And I, I want more women to be involved. So bring it on. Yeah, I just hate it for my besties because, like, you know, they wanted to shoot their shot, and I don't know. I don't know if you get a chance to shoot your shot against Taylor Swift. Just saying. Anyway, we appreciate you guys for checking us out today. Make sure you also check out our Lockdown Sports Atlanta channel on YouTube. 
Anytime you've got time to party, stop by the Atlanta Sports Party. And don't forget that we will see you guys and want to see you guys on the Atlanta Football Party on Monday.